Uh, it almost looks like something that you would see in Hollywood. In fact, we've got Hollywood here today, and we apologize for all the uh, parking things. Hope you found a place to park, uh, but Spider-Man is taking half of our spots, so actually most of our spots. So anyway, so we're delighted that Spidey can come join us. He's not here in the room, uh, but you know, so it's all good. But uh, anyway, so we're delighted, more importantly, uh, that uh, you are here, uh, and you're here for a reason and a purpose, and you're here uh, to hear from God. Uh, I believe that if we focus our attention and remove the distractions, that you and I will hear from God. Because God is always speaking to us. It's really, many times, we're not really the ones who are listening. And so, as we, um, as we go through this, uh, this sermon today, my prayer is that God would take these words and give it straight to your heart. In fact, we're going to take a moment and just pray right now. All right? Let's, pray out, let's bow together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you are doing in the life of our church, in the lives of our families, and our community. And Lord, we, uh, we love that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And we pray, Father, right now that you take the very words from Scripture and you, you make it expand and in the hearts of people, we pray, Father, that you will be glorified in uh, this message today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If this is your first time here today, my name is Frank Bennett, uh, lead pastor here at Lake Point Church. And uh, we just, we're just having a good time. We're having fun with this, uh, with this church plant. And we are finishing up a series today that we called, Do I Matter?, Big question mark. And many of us have probably asked that question uh, sometime in our life. Do we matter? What's the purpose of this life? Why am I here? And uh, I know this, uh, students, well, a lot of times they will ask that question many times. Why am I in this math class? Okay, does this have any, any significance in my life at all? Why do I need to keep my room clean? Why do I need to make up my bed when I'm about to go back into it? Those kinds of questions um, start off asking yourself the questions, the deeper questions of do I matter. And so we took the book of Ephesians, and so this was basically a, a, a sermon through the, a book in the Bible, and Ephesians was written by, uh, the, uh, by the Apostle Paul, and it's actually a letter to the church at Ephesus in Asia Minor, which is now present-day Turkey. And so we're, we're taking ourselves through this book, and so we're in the last chapter, and I would encourage you to read this entire book. You can sit down, and there's short uh, little six chapters, and you can read this letter and read it as if Paul is writing it to you, and it would make a whole lot of sense reading it in one sitting. And we talked about how we matter to God, and we matter to God because he sent his son Jesus to die for us. He proved that. And we also uh, saw how we matter to a greater purpose. We matter to a greater purpose. What is God's greater, greatest purpose? Is to redeem us by the blood of Jesus because we were separated from God. We are saved from death. We are saved by grace. We are saved through our faith of what Jesus did, and we are saved for a greater purpose. We also uh, matter to God's plan. God's plan in our life. We all have a part in God's plan, and God has a plan for you. Some of you may be thinking, well, Frank, I've, I've, I've kind of gone off the deep end so many times in my life. Why would God want me to be 
a part of his plan. Why would God include me in any part of the plan? Well, let me tell you something that we learned in week three is that God's plan is bigger than your past. God's plan is bigger than your past. Some of you need to, need to write that on your mirror in your bathroom or on your computer uh, wallpaper or something. God's plan is bigger than my past. And so that's what God wants to remind us that we matter to the plan. We also matter to the church. For those who have, have accepted Christ as Savior and you walk with, walk with him and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're part of the church, one of the reasons why you matter is we need you to build unity so that we can have maturity. It talks about that there in chapter 4. We, uh, the church is the bride of Christ, and um, Jesus wants the, the bride of Christ to be beautiful and to be mature. The way to maturity as a church is we have unity. We see that in our marriages, in our most important relationships uh, in our lives, with, like with our kids. In order for there to be maturity in that relationship, we have to be unified. Same with the body of Christ. And then last week, we talked on Father's Day, we talked about how you matter to your family. It wasn't just fathers who matter to your family, but obviously we zeroed in on that. Um, but you matter to your family. You know, uh, we learned in chapter 5 that we are to respond and we are to respect those are the two words we got out of last week. We are to respond to God's call to imitate him. Well, Frank, I can't be perfect. Well, neither am I, and neither can I be perfect. But we are to strive to imitate the characters and the qualities of God, to imitate the qualities of Christ. And Jesus showed what those were by you just reading God's word, by reading scripture, by reading the gospel. You can see what we are to imitate. So God says, I want you to respond. I want you to respond by imitating me. And then I want you to respect. I want you to respect those people who I've placed in your life. Respect your spouse. Respect your, your kids. And we, we discuss all of, uh, through that in chapter 5. And you can go back and read it. But many families, they get that backwards. They try to respect one another without imitating God without having qualities of God in their life. And because of that, there's no peace. Many, many families go through this. And I've talked to families and couples where they try to respect one another, try to respect one another, but they're, neither of them are trying to walk like Christ. So we need to respond by imitating him so that we can respect others. And let me tell you, respecting others in your life is so much easier if we just first Respond. Paul then goes on to say in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, as we're going into this, uh, into this chapter, he talks about uh, slaves and masters. And, uh, and at the time, that was you know, something that was, uh, uh, that was uh, prevalent in their culture. But obviously, that's, his, that's not something that is in our culture. But what is prevalent in our culture is the workforce and having people who work for a boss. And so what, we, what we're going to read here in chapter 6 you can uh, read or you can apply to your life if you have a job. And so there in chapter 6, verse 5, it says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. So you could just put, put yourself in there. Workers, okay, teachers, 
construction crew guys, whatever you call, okay? Uh, guys who work in the utilities, AT&T, Comcast, those things. Whether you are a, uh, if you are a, uh, uh, someone who uh, works behind a desk, okay, a salesman, an accountant, work, obey your earthly masters, your bosses, with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So God is saying, uh, God is saying through Paul in this letter, and Paul is telling to the church of Ephesus, look, if you serve a boss or master, and many of us have bosses, we are to serve as if we're serving unto the Lord. Don't serve as if you're trying to serve the, just that boss. Yeah, you need to get to the point to where you, you, know, you, you do the, your job right and you want to please your boss, but you want to please the Lord first and foremost by doing a good job. You want to represent. You want to represent that you are a believer by going and doing a great job and, and doing your best. I believe that Christians ought to be uh, the people in the workforce that bosses look to and they're like, okay, there's something about you, but you're a hard worker, you never talk back, you always have a great attitude, you're never late, those kinds of things. I believe Christians should set the standard in the workplace. I know some of you probably have lousy bosses. Stop working for that boss and start working for God. Stop working for paycheck and start working for a greater reward, which he talks about there in verse 8. And then for those who are supervisors, if you have people that, that work under you, you want to, uh, this, we see this in verse 9. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Treat your workers the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. So just because you might be a supervisor or a boss, it doesn't mean that, that God has extra favor on you because of that. God looks at you the same way that he looks at those that you lead. And so keep that in mind. And so those are just some uh, other instructions here in chapter 6 uh, that we did, not want to, we did not want to leave out. And we, um, it just didn't really fit in last week's um, uh, message about uh, the family. But as we get on into uh, more of the meat of this, uh, of this chapter, we're going to talk about the enemy. And we're going to talk about how uh, Paul writes how important it is to, um, to combat the enemy and to be prepared for the enemy. So as you come to realize you matter to God and that you matter to his greater purpose and his plan and that you matter to the church and you matter to your family, as you realize those things, you're understanding, wow, I do matter to in this life, and I do matter to other people, and so you're going to walk in that authority. Hey, I do matter. You're going to be more comfortable with your skin. In your, in your own skin, you're going to be comfortable that, hey, I matter a great deal, and that is exactly what Satan doesn't 
want. The enemy does not want us thinking that. So that's why Paul closes this letter with the armor of God. He closes this letter with specific instructions on how we can prepare for the onslaught of the enemy. Well, there are several places in Scripture that Paul talks about um, his experience in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, Paul stayed there in that town, in that city. It was a grown metropolis there in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. Paul stayed there for three years And during that time, he experienced something. In fact, he writes about it in uh, his his letter to the uh, to the first Corinthians, okay, to the to the church at Corinth. And so, his first letter to the Corinthians, uh, Paul shares in Corinthians chapter first Corinthians chapter sixteen, verses eight and nine. He shares this information. He says this, but I will stay on in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. Now, that is great news. He's he's telling the church at Corinth, and he's writing this in Ephesus, and he's saying, look, I'm going to stay here because there's a great work that's happening. A lot of great opening doors have, have come my way, and God is doing a great work. But then he goes on to say, and there are many who oppose me. Okay, when I, when I read that, and I read that many are opposing Paul, if I were Paul, I'd head out of Dodge. If many people are opposing me on something, it makes me want to leave. Like, I'm not, I'm not welcome here. I'm going to go. But Paul says, look, I'm going to stay here in Ephesus. And even though there's a great work, and people oppose me. That right there is a clue that Paul gets it. Paul gets it that he matters to a greater purpose, to a greater plan. He matters to the church. He matters to God. And so he matters, and we see that because he doesn't let the opposition distract him from what he is supposed to do. We see also in 2 Corinthians the second letter to the church at Corinth in chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Now, Paul is in a different place. He has left Ephesus, and he's writing uh, this uh, to, um, to the church at Corinth. And so he's saying this in the past tense in chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. It says this. We do not want you to be misinformed or uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. Now, he's, ba- he's basically saying Ephesus. He's just not naming it, but that's where he was at. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability. Catch that. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we were despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that you will continue to, that he will continue to deliver us. So Paul is saying in past tense, look, church of Corinth, I need to let you know something. 
It was bad. <laughs> it was bad in Ephesus. We thought we were going to die. We, uh, we, felt, we felt a lot of pressure. And it was too much for us to handle. So what happened in Ephesus? What happened that Paul talks about that happened in Ephesus for him to write about the armor of God? Now, him writing about the armor of God, remember, he's writing the book of Ephesians. It's a letter to the church of Ephesus, the same people that he was at, and, and, and he was there for three years. And so what happened in Ephesus? Well, if you read in Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, we're not going to really turn now, turn I'll, I'll tell the story, but in Acts chapter 19, I encourage you to read it yourself. There's some, there's some pretty cool uh, things in that chapter. Um, but what God did and some pretty, uh, pretty weird things about people trying to cast out uh, demons in the name of Jesus, and they weren't really Christians, and so the demon's like, you know, hey, I, I know Jesus. I've heard of Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? And so they, like, attacked them, and, I mean, it's crazy, crazy. But in, in Acts chapter 19, we read that Paul went to Ephesus to plant a church to see if there were any, any believers there, any disciples. And so he found some disciples there, some followers of Christ, and he, he combined, he, uh, he worked with them and partnered with them to help start the church at Ephesus. And so uh, this church, again, he was there for three years, and, and many things were happening. People were getting healed of their uh, illnesses. Uh, people were getting saved. Uh, you can even read where Paul, the very handkerchiefs he used, I don't know if you would want to use this to heal people, but this is what happened. The very handkerchiefs that Paul used, people would take that handkerchief and bring it to a person who is sick uh, on their deathbed, and the handkerchief would put, them, uh, put on them, and it, it would heal them. I mean, just amazing things like that, unheard of things that we don't really hear about today, especially here in America. And so Paul, he's planting this church, and amazing things are happening People are getting saved. The church is rocking and rolling. And, but the thing about Ephesus is this. It was the epicenter of a goddess. And that goddess name was Artemis. Now, Artemis is a, you may have read about uh, Artemis in Greek mythology. Artemis is a, obviously a fake uh, Greek goddess who um, is pictured as, um, as someone who is, who's always has a bow and arrow. And it's, it's almost pretty much what uh, Katniss uh, from Hunger Games, they, they put Katniss, the character of Katniss, and they modeled her after this goddess Artemis. And you could do, do some research. This, uh, there's uh, there's uh, idols and there's, uh, um, there's sculptures of this god, goddess of Artemis. Well, this temple... In, in, uh, in Ephesus was huge. In fact, it was four times the size of the Parthenon. And this thing had like 125 columns around it. And so this temple is where people would worship the goddess of Artemis right there in Ephesus. Well, Paul, as he began to preach the gospel, and people were delivered from their sins, and people were delivered uh, from idol worship, they stopped going to worship the goddess Artemis. And what happened is they no longer needed 
those little home idols of Artemis that silversmiths would make there in Ephesus. And so the silversmiths began to think, and they began to talk to one another, and they were saying, how's your, how's your selling, how, how's your profit looking on selling um, those little idols, those little sculptures of Artemis? Well, man, mine's down. How about you? Yeah. I haven't sold hardly any. It's been a while. The reason why hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were coming to Christ. And so the silversmiths led by a guy named Demetrius. You can imagine sort of Demetrius is sort of, you know, this Brooklyn kind of guy. Yo, Demetrius, you know what I'm saying? And so Demetrius got his guys together and his silversmiths together, and they were going to put an end to this because they were feeling it right in their pocketbook. They were saying, this Paul is affecting this. And how many do we know when, when, when people see that it's affecting their pocketbook, something's got to change? Well, Demetrius and his boys rounded up two of Paul's uh, companions, guys that were helping him plant the church. And so they brought him to this huge amphitheater. Well, this amphitheater, and you can actually go there today, this amphitheater in Ephesus would seat 25,000 people. This thing's huge. So this amphitheater, they brought these guys in there, put them right there in the front of the, of the theater, and this place was packed, and they were chanting for two hours or more. They were chanting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And so basically what was happening is the people were rioting. And Paul wanted to go to that theater and talk some sense into them. But the other disciples are like, I don't think that's a good idea. You should not go. <laughs> you, you, you will be killed. And so after a couple of hours of this chanting and this, this sort of mob to the point of, of rioting, the, the city manager basically comes to this theater and says, all right, um, this is not how we handle things. We are Romans. We don't riot. We handle things in court. And so basically, he talks the crowd down and dismisses the crowd. But because of that, those guys and Paul feared for their lives. They feared for their lives to the point to where Paul, as he's writing this book of Ephesians, this letter, he's remembering what had happened. And he's saying, okay, look, you matter to God. You matter to a greater purpose. You matter to God's plan. God's had, God has a plan for you. You matter to your church. You matter to your, your family, that structure God has laid out in his word. You matter so much that the enemy knows about you. And once you realize that the enemy is going to do everything he can to knock you off balance and get you distracted. And so Paul then goes on to say, all right, let me close this letter out with the most important thing. You matter to all of those other things, but let me tell you something. 
when you get those right, when you get those understanding, when you live by those things that you matter to all those areas, you will matter to the enemy. You will matter to the enemy. So much so that you need to put on this armor of God. And many of you have probably have read this passage or have heard this passage that's found in, in uh, chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, okay, here it is. Finally, most important thing, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Remember Paul, when he faces, he was writing in Corinthians, he goes, look, this is beyond our ability. We depend on God's strength, God's power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it happens a lot, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray. Don't forget about prayer. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So he talks about this full armor of God. And I'm not going to get into what each one of those can kind of mean or represent. Most of that's pretty self-explanatory. The word of God, the helmet of salvation, let, let remind your mind that you are saved, that you are a believer. When, when thoughts in your mind come against you, remind, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. Remind your mind of that. And so we can go on and on about what those things mean. But the most important thing is this, is that you and I, you and I need to rely upon the armor of God. We need to put that on every day. We need to spend time with our Savior. We need to spend time with our Creator. We need to spend time in God's Word. We need to spend time with other believers. Coming to church, that's why coming to church, being involved in a small group is so important. I know I say those things all the time, but you know why I say all those things all the time? Because it's important. It's important. Getting connected with other believers is huge. And so, I want to encourage you to put on the full armor of God. Your armor against people that may oppose you is not to retaliate and give them a taste of their own medicine. That's not what the armor is about. Or your armor against maybe financial failures or relationship failures is not to shut down 
and stop what you know what you should be doing? Just because you made a mistake in a relationship, does that mean you shut down? You, you go to a pity party. That's not just to, just to sort of get back to, at the other person or get back at yourself. That is not putting on the armor of God. Or your armor against lustful thoughts or images that keep appearing in your mind is not to give up because maybe that's how God made you. That is not how God made you. God doesn't want that stuff in your heart, doesn't want that stuff in your mind. And so don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep fighting the fight. Keep being the person God called you to be. Know this, that God has great, great plans for you. And as you come to realize that you matter to God, you matter to his great purpose, you matter to his plan in your life, you matter to the church, you matter to your family, when you come to realize that and you walk in that authority, walk in that authority. I matter. I matter to these areas in my life. I matter. When you walk in that authority, Satan hates it. The enemy hates it. And the enemy is going to get after you. And how will he do that? He will give you other distractions in this world. The other distractions of this world, when you, when you realize who you are and that you matter and that you are part of a greater plan and greater purpose, when you realize that, the other distractions in this life won't matter. What people say about you won't matter. What people, what people might be saying about you won't matter. What you think others might be thinking about you, it won't matter. It doesn't matter. That stuff will just fall right off of you. Why? Because you matter to God. You don't matter to those other people. You matter. You matter to God. Y'all, this is huge. Because your worth is much deeper than all that other junk. Your worth is so much more deeper than all of that other stuff that the enemy tries to put in front of you. And when you realize this principle and walk comfortably in your own skin, you will do great things. And that is something the devil does not want to happen. You see, the enemy wants you to believe that your worth is based on what others think or say. He wants you to believe your worth is based on what your career you have, what car you drive, what street you live on. That's what the enemy wants you to think, that you're worth because of those things. That's wrong. And when you, when you understand that you matter, to God and all those other things and you walk comfortably in that comfortably in your own skin and walk in that authority those things just won't matter and you could tell Satan I'm putting on the full armor of God I've been bought with a price I'm putting on 
the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. I'm, I'm taking my feet and telling others with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not going to stop me from doing that because I matter. Paul faced great tribulation in Ephesus. But he also was a part of an incredible movement in Ephesus. He stayed in Ephesus longer than anywhere in any of his other missionary journeys. Three years. God was doing great things. But it was also hardship. Isn't that kind of like life? <laughs> One day, things are going great. And the next day, it goes pot. Just don't allow those things to, to define who you are. To show how much you're worth. You are worthy to be called a child of God. And so, as we close out this series, I really believe, as I've talked to people over the last few years, even just here in this church, in this community, a lot of people struggle. They struggle with their worth. They struggle. Why do I matter? I'm not important. Yes, you are. You are important. And if you were here for the entire Series, I encourage you to go to lakepointonline.com, go to messages, click on that, and you can follow the indicators there to listen to this, this series. Because you, you need to understand that you are important and that you matter. God loves you. Stop letting other things in your life tell you who you are and how much you're worth.